1: To love is to give, and to give is to love. Love is not about getting. Love is about giving, giving to where it hurts. And if you go through life always getting but never giving, you never really live, and you never really love. And so life can become meaningless unless the soul is set free to give. That's Pastor
0: Michael Tenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Tanko is entitled Him Who Loved Me and Gave that's Him Who Loved Me and Gave and if you miss any of this message you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com that's reachingyourheart.com let's pick up where we left off last time here with Pastor Michael Tanko and Him Who Loved Me and Gave remember you can find the entire message online at reachingyourheart.com Pastor Mike
1: Friend, God has so designed the real church so that the church is the very place where love is to shine the greatest for the salvation of sinners. Jesus defined it. You know, turn with me to this verse we read all the time. It's John 3.16. We read it and often don't catch its deep significance. For God so loved the world that He what? That He gave. Gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's a huge verse. That is the greatest verse in the Bible because it defines who God is. It answers the core question, the great controversy, what it's about. And it shows us the way to be saved and live forever in the presence of a giving, selfless God. I mean, this verse contains huge things. When the devil became the twisted one, way back before the creation of the earth, when he involved the Creator in a great controversy over the creation of this planet, the devil no doubt pointed out that God, by his very nature, is eternal and infinite. I mean, we don't worship a small God. We worship a God that is so big, you cannot quantify God. And so I asked the question, what's half of infinity? Forever keeps going. You can divide forever, and there's still forever there. And so the question arises, it would have been the one that he would have posited to attack the character of God at the very beginning. God has all the power. God has all the riches. God has all the knowledge. And so you ask the question when you observe this, when you're trying to undermine God, if God is all-powerful and He's the authority, How can God have the capacity to give of himself at all? How can God be selfless? How can someone who has everything truly give of himself? Have you ever wondered that? When God digs deep into the bucket of who he is, does he give till it hurts? Is he able to take from himself? Or does he just produce more goods so that it never hurts? You know, if you had a bank account that could replenish $1,000 every second, And you gave $1,000 every second. Your bank account would always be full, wouldn't it? And so the devil said, look, because God is a being with infinite power, it is impossible for God to live and be what his moral law is. He cannot be selfless. Therefore, the law of God is a charade and a sham. He imposes on the creation what he himself is incapable of. He cannot be selfless. That is the original accusation in the great controversy. Half of everything is still eternity. So it would seem that the infinite God cannot be a God of love. Friend, God cannot prove the devil's a liar by simply claiming that he is wrong. He can't say, I am a God of love and that's good enough. It wouldn't work. So John 3.16 is so important for God so loved the world that he what? That He gave. And how much did he give? We're going to look at that. He gave until he couldn't give anything more. Mother Teresa once framed the giving nature of love in this way. You can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. I must be willing to give whatever it takes to do good to others. This requires that I be willing to give until it hurts. Otherwise, there is no true love in me, and I bring injustice, not peace, to those who Around me, that's what giving and love is really about—giving until it hurts. For God so loved the world that He gave until it hurt for eternity to save us. In 1 Corinthians one twenty-four, Jesus is the wisdom and power of God. At the cross, God is powerless to save His Son and save us. In Philippians four nineteen, Jesus represents the treasury of God. In Ephesians 2.7, the riches of God are immeasurable. And so you cannot measure the treasure of God that is found in Jesus. It is a bank repository that is infinite. At the cross, God is poor and bankrupt because He gave us Jesus. Paul will say in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was in Christ at the cross. So God didn't just give us Jesus. God gave us God in Jesus So when God gave us Jesus, God gave the height of His power, the depth of His wisdom, the eternal treasury of His wealth. God poured out the heart of God on the cross of Calvary. And when Jesus died on the cross, dear heart, God had nothing more to give. You know, you can't see God. God is spirit. But in the darkness of the cross, there is a broken God who gave to save you and me. So don't read John 3:16 with a shallow view of things. For God so loved the world that he gave he gave himself. And he gave all he could in Jesus to save you and me. Friend, if God cannot give because God's resources are infinite because he is God, then God cannot be worshiped and God should not be worshiped. That's what the devil claims in the beginning. At the cross it was demonstrated that the deity has sufficient capacity to exercise self-renouncing love. We're going to bow down in eternity before God, not because God has all the power. We're going to bow down in eternity because God has all the goodness, all the attributes of character that we see in Jesus that led him to the cross. The year was 1945, and it was the end of the Second World War. When a young man sat down to grieve for the greatest need of his life, his own soul, he'd been through the war, he'd survived it. He'd been in Hitler's army as one of the youth, had been sucked into the cause, but he didn't want to be there. He'd seen the evil of it, mature, and now he was a POW in Scotland waiting for the outcome for his life. The fatherland cities had been bombed to brittle pieces by the allies, and they had captured him, and as I said, they brought him to that prisoner of war camp in Scotland. He had seen the horror of the Jewish death camps at the end of World War II, and now he was locked up in a prison in Scotland for crimes he did not commit because he belonged to Hitler's army as a youth. He simply was a part of the process of evil that had swept him along. He felt the shame of what his country had done, and he felt all alone, far away from his fatherland. And he felt the sorrow of what an evil man had done to him and others. And he saw many of his friends died as the war came to an end. So Hitler could have a few more months to take more lives, kill more youth, and wreak more havoc on Europe because of pride and self. And then it shifted from what Hitler did and what the war was about. It shifted to what God is about. He saw himself in isolation, far away from his homeland. He began to ask the question, does God care about me? Does God have any reason to interact with me And all alone in that Scottish prison, he began to seek God. In his despair, a prison chaplain gave this young German man a Bible, and he was able to read it. And there in prison, he began to read the story of God's love in the Bible. Sometimes we ask the question is the Bible that powerful? There is one story after another in history of how the Bible alone has been able to communicate the love of God in such clear terms that people are broken. So it was with them. He read the Psalms where prayers of agony were prayed to God by men of faith. He began to identify with that. And then he read the words of Jesus recorded in Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The cross predicted. He said, I feel forsaken of God. In 1947, he was allowed as a POW to attend a Christian conference for young people from around the world. I don't know how they let him out of prison to do it, but they did. They sent him to that Christian conference with that Bible in his hand. And he met people there who spoke in that conference of what Hitler had done to them, of what had happened to their families, of what the evil of racism had done. And there was no vindictiveness in their voices in those faith conferences. And there he began to see Jesus lived out in the lives of people who had been harmed tremendously by his own country. They spoke of the message of forgiveness and the cross and the love of God. It was then and there that this young German POW found Jesus as his Savior. And he said this. He said, God looked on us with shining eyes of his eternal joy. The light of God's love pierced his life right there at that faith conference. That German soldier was Jürgen Moltmann, who became one of the greatest Bible scholars of the 20th century. He never forgot the crucified God that the victims of war shared with him, that in humility he had found Christ. He later wrote a book that was called The Source of Life, The Holy Spirit and the Theology of Life. And in that book he said, but the ultimate reason for our hope is not to be found at all in what we want, "...wish for and wait for. The ultimate reason is that we are wanted and wished for and waited for. What is it that awaits us? Does anything await us at all? Or are we alone? Whenever we base our hope on trust in the divine mystery, we feel deep down in our hearts there is someone who is waiting for you, who is hoping for you, who believes in you. We are waited for as the prodigal son in the parable is waited for by his father." We are accepted and received as a mother takes her children into her arms and comforts them. God is our last hope because we are God's first love. A profound statement. It was learned in pain and suffering when he learned that God loved him as a POW in Scotland. Friend, in the gospel message, God forgives us and God pardons our sins in Jesus. It happened in Christ according to Paul at the cross of Calvary. And so, what does that prove? It proves that we are God's first love. He loved us more than God. Thus, He gave God in Christ to save us. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son because we were and still are His first love. I remember when I was a boy, when I was far away from home after my father died, I was 15 years of age, went to Fletcher Academy, met my father. My father had been broken, repentant, He reconciled with my mother. He died two months later. The following summer, I was a call porter selling books. I could not go home because my home was a bad environment. I found enough money to buy a car and get insurance for three months. And I drove it away from academy, age of 15, homeless for the summer, trying to raise some money so I could stay in school. And that car broke down on the way to call porting. It was amazing. These tires, I had good recaps. you ever have a recap tire where they retread it? Where they repair the tire, I couldn't afford a new tire, so I had them repair it. And as it got down Highway 40, coming to Durham, North Carolina, that retread began to bubble up. And as it bubbled up, it blew up. And so I kind of pulled over to the side of the road, and I was out there stuck in the middle of nowhere on Highway 40. Now, I, was, I didn't know what to do. So what do you do? Well, I got out of the car and left it there. I started walking down the highway to the first exit. I walked down the exit, and as I was walking down the exit, I saw a telephone booth right there at the end of the exit. And I've never seen anything like that. There was a telephone booth just right there. And I said, what would a telephone booth be doing in the middle of nowhere at the end of an exit where I broke down? I reached in my pocket. I had a quarter. Ah, now it was interesting. Interesting.
0: Pastor Michael Oxen-Tanker will continue in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Tenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart.
1: I said, what would a telephone booth be doing in the middle of nowhere at the end of an exit where I broke down? I reached in my pocket. I had a quarter. Ah, oh, now it was interesting. I felt alone and isolated, wasn't sure what to do with my life. I was a youngster in a place where I shouldn't be. I was hungry. If I couldn't sell books that day, I had no food that day. So I was there, thinking and looking at that telephone booth. I walked down the ramp to that telephone booth. I went into the booth, closed the door and began to think again. What do I do with a quarter in the middle of a telephone booth far away from anybody who knows me? Who would know me in the middle of nowhere? I was asking the question. Whose name would matter to me the most that would be in that book? Who would know me in the middle of nowhere. And so this is what I did. I opened that telephone book and I looked for my own name. Michael Oxentenko. And my name was in that telephone book. I'm dead serious. The name Michael Oxentenko was printed in that telephone booth. See, there are only a few Oxentenkos in this country. There's only two of them that are named Michael Oxentanko. And one of them is my father's brother. And his name and my name are the same name. And that name was in that telephone book. He was a resident of Durham, North Carolina. So I opened that book, I looked at it, I got the number, I took that quarter, I stuck it in the machine. If he didn't answer, I'd be stuck. On the other side was the answer, Hello, this is Michael Oxentanko. I said, Hi, this is Michael Oxentanko. And so the two Michael Oxentankos were bound by providence, kind of like quantum entanglement, in a telephone booth at the end of an exit that shouldn't have been there. I said, Uncle Michael, I don't know you much as an uncle, but I'm sure in trouble. I've been out trying to sell books, and I'm not a good salesman, I don't think. My car broke down. It's on the side of the highway. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life or anything else and I'm grieving because of the loss of dad. What do I do? My uncle answered that call and he came to me and he picked me up at that telephone booth. He took me first to his home and I looked over the hill and my car was just over the side of the hill because I had broken down in the very spot that was closest to family. The very spot that was closest to family. And I stayed a couple of days with him. He told me about my father. He talked about the good points I needed to hear. And then he made sure I had money in my pocket and I was fed. And he wanted to keep tabs on me for the summer as I tried to sell Christian books. And right then and there, Uncle Michael became for me another father figure in my life. As I was on the road of life, uncertain as to what would lay ahead of me. Dear heart, you may break down in life. And you may not know where you are going in life. Don't be surprised if you break down in the very spot that is closest to family. God is on the road that leads you to the outcome. God has designed it that the Christian church should be the very place where broken people and helpless and homeless people and people who are good can break down and start over again next to family. Jesus left heaven to come to earth because the family of God and the heart of God was not content to let this world die alone. No treasure was so precious that all his riches could not be relinquished to save you and me. When people fight for love, they never get it that way. When people give up on love, they might receive it when they don't expect it. But when people encounter love, they never forget it because it's real. Love did not wait for us to come home to God. Love brought the hearth and the home of God to earth in Jesus Love made the journey to find the prodigal son. Love bent down low to meet us on the road that we live on. Love gave up the power, the wealth, the knowledge, the riches, so that the wisdom of God and the beauty of God could take its place in the human encampment where we live. And we would see God's character in the life of one who humbly lived out love. And so one day the Son of God became the Son of Man. And that was a dark day in heaven as the light dawned on earth. The mighty messenger of the covenant became the very message of the covenant, sent to save the lost, for God so loved the world that he gave. Christ came. The rule of the universe stepped down from his celestial throne and became a baby in a mother's womb. Christ was born in poverty. He served the rebel race in poverty as he gave us God in a life of service and love. And when he was done showing us the love of his father, God, by living out that love in his own heart and life of service, Jesus laid down his life in sacrifice so we could be resurrected and the law of God would not be violated in forgiving and setting the sinner free. Friend, Jesus never doubted his father's love during his entire life. But at the cross, he had a doubt. He doubted his father's presence. He doubted his father's presence. He cried out, my God, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? He didn't find the answer until the resurrection morning. You see, at the cross, Jesus took all of us inside of him. And Jesus made the journey from the darkness of condemnation to the light and joy of justification and acceptance. There was acquittal for the human race in the heart of God, given in Christ on resurrection morning, Christ was vindicated and justified. We are justified by our connection to Jesus. And because Jesus is not guilty, when we accept Christ and we come to Him, we are forgiven people because we belong to Him by sacrifice. You cannot separate the Son of Man from the men and women the Son of Man died to save. You cannot rip yourself out of the heart of God. God loves you so profoundly. Very often we do things in the church and for the church for all the wrong reasons. I've noticed this. I have done it too. You know, I've served God and discovered it was about me and not about the work of God really. If it is so human to think that obedience can somehow be given and the attitude doesn't matter. The attitude matters a lot. It has to be right for it to matter to God. I have found in my own life that obedience for the wrong reason is Disobedience. When it's all about me and not about others and Jesus, when I exert my will over the will of Christ and the will of the church, which is the body of Christ, then even my service can mean nothing unless I come to the cross and submit myself to Jesus. When we try to prove ourselves to be accepted by God, we discover that the law is not our friend because the law will not acquit that kind of thing. You can never by trying hard find the heart of God that forgives you. Because the one who loved you is not dependent on you finding him to forgive. He's the great hound of heaven. He's the one who's on the road. He finds us when we break down. Our search for God is our search for God. God doesn't need to search for us. God is there for you, and God is the one who finds you when you can't find him. Galatians 2, 19-20, the Apostle Paul shares his reason for serving God. He did so from the time he was converted to the time his head was cut off. He did so with joy. He'd write his epistles, grace and peace from God our Father, and then he'd be beaten half silly at times and rendered half dead. He did it for the love of God. Why? Look at Galatians 2, verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified, what does the text say? With Christ. He saw himself on that cross. It is no longer I who live, but the Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live how? What does he say? By faith in the Son of God. Why? Who loved me and gave himself for me. That's why we live. That's why we serve. That's why the church exists. Friend, Jesus is not just anyone. Jesus is the lover of my soul. He's the lover of your soul. He is the Son of Man and the Son of God. He gave himself for you as if there is no other because God gave him to save you. And together they clasped their eternal hands in holy covenant that they would give anything to save you. He died for you. And friend, there is nothing so precious in him that he did not gladly relinquish it to find you on the broken road of life in just the place that is closest to home. That place is the cross where Jesus loved you, where Jesus gave himself and his life for you. The place that is closest to home. At the cross, your eyes can see that love is giving and life is worth living for the one who died for you. At the cross, we learn to love the one who loved us and gave. At the cross, we're set free to live forever and to worship God for the right reasons, to have a church for the right reasons, and to grow in this eternal atmosphere of love that is the character and light and glory of God. God bless you all, and the love of God as you come to the cross. May you go to heaven holding on to the cross. Blessings to you the Sabbath.
0: Thanks for listening today. That will conclude Him Who Loved Me and Gave. Today's Reaching Your Heart. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com along with many other messages. They're available for you. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.